familiar passage, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. It's one that we uh, reference a lot around here. Matter of fact, we mentioned it last week, but I don't think we put it up on the screen. And um, there's a lot of stuff that um, I'm skipping over. To give you some idea, I'm starting with slide 21 this morning. Um, but there's just some things that I'm, I'm really wanting to get to. Uh, and so we're going to uh, begin here. Uh, again, thank you for being with us this morning, either online or uh, in person. And I just, I, listen, I, I believe God for utterance that I can uh, give to you what he's given to me to give to you. And um, you get your faith up that you're going to receive something that's going to renew your mind and transform your life. Amen? All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that a three-yet-one God created you and me as three-yet-one beings. When I look at you, I just see your body, I see your your physical part, your physical dimension, but the Word of God teaches us throughout both Old Testament and New Testament that we are a spirit, that we possess a soul, and that we live inside of a physical body. So remember, you are a spirit. You don't just have a spirit. The, the spirit inside of you is the real you. And then your soul is the part of you that thinks and feels and makes choices, your mind, your emotions, and your will. And then all of that's like a hand inside of a glove, with a glove being your outward part, your outward man, as the Bible sometimes refers to it, um, or your physical body. In the Greek language, we have three distinct words for each of these dimensions, your pneuma, which is your spirit, your suche, which is your soul, and your soma, which is your body. And so there are those who teach that we are a two-dimensional being, um, but that is not what the Bible uh, supports. The Bible teaches us that we are three dimensions. God said, let us make man in our image in Genesis 1, uh, us and our uh, as opposed to me and my, because we know that God is three yet one. We know that he created us also three yet one. Now, because you are a three-dimensional being, it's possible for you to have three different versions of yourself. And this is where we've been now for the past couple of weeks, really trying to wrap our hearts and minds around this as the Holy Spirit helps us. And so to, to just simplify, the first thing we see is your true self, your true self. And, um, and this is not um, who you make yourself out to be. This is who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus your true self, and then number two, the second version that we need to understand is the way we see ourselves, the way you see yourself. This, this would be your self-image, the image that you have of yourself, the understanding that you have of yourself, the opinion that you have of yourself. And then number three, we have the version of ourselves that we present or project to the world. This is what we want other people to uh, believe about us. Um, this is, you know, this is the version of ourselves that, um, that we want other people to see and understand. And so we talked about this difference, this gap between how we see ourselves and how we want or think other people see us. And, and, and that gap obviously uh, <laughs> can be extreme in some cases. But then there's another gap, and that's the gap between the way we see ourselves and who we truly are, how, how God sees us. 
and that gap is uh, much larger than the one between our uh, self-image and our presented or projected image. Are you still with me? I know for some of you this is review, but I don't think we can hear this too many times. So just to, again, um, bring some Bible into this, uh, your, your true image is your spirit, and that's as you are known. That's what the Bible says. It's, it's how heaven knows you right now. And, of course, we, we are on a journey to know ourselves the way heaven already knows us, to see ourselves the way heaven already sees us, okay? Then your self-image, it corresponds with your soul. Your soul is, is your mind, uh, your emotions, and your will. And this is as you know yourself. So notice it's as you are known, as you know yourself, and then your projected image, the image that you present um, or, or display or project to the world around you, this corresponds with your outward person, your outward life reality, and this would be as you make yourself known. So as you're known, as you know yourself, as you make yourself known. Now, the scriptures make it clear, and this is what God said in Genesis 1 and 26, and, in, and we see it again in other places. He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And so before we can really build any further on this, we have to come to terms with the truth. We have to come to terms with the reality that God created you to be like him. He created you to be like him. He created you to be an earthly representation of himself. Now, don't choke on that. This is, this is, this is where, um, and, and sometimes I use the example of like a, you know, three-lane interstate. For us around here, there's an interstate 459. It kind of does a circle, half circle anyway, around downtown Birmingham. And if you've ever been on 459, you know, where two of the lanes are blocked and only one lane is passable, um, traffic may back up for miles. But if you can ever get past that, that, that blockage, if you can ever get past that, that log jam, that traffic jam, then looking ahead of you is three lanes of interstate, almost empty, um, where you can put the pedal to the metal. Amen. Um, and so in the same way, this, this, this is a log jam for a lot of people. In other words, a lot of people grow uh, in, in the things of God uh, to a certain point, and they never are able to progress past that because there are certain things that um, religion and tradition and, um, and just uh, not knowing, not understanding, no one ever explaining it to them, ignorance, um, it, it, it caps, um, you know, the, the ability to grow and, and move on into the deeper uh, things that God has for your life. And so this is one of those things that it's, it's, it's very difficult for some people um, to come to terms with. But as I told you, uh, he's the potter, you're the clay. And the clay has no right to say to the potter, why did you make me the way you made me? And so we spent a great deal of time last week on, on this point. But again, this is what Father had in mind for you before he created you. This was the purpose that he intended for you and me before he ever created us. And so this is why he created us in the way that he did. He created you to be like him. He created you to be an earthly representation of himself, or if it makes you uh, a little more comfortable for you to represent him on the earth. Now, we also spent a great deal of time last week, and I'm going to just cruise through it now. Um, these messages are available if you'd like to uh, go back and get caught up on online. We can, you know, audio only podcast. You can watch them, what have you. 
But we, we talked about the difference between the way God created Lucifer, for example, and the way he created Adam. And we see that God created Lucifer to reflect his glory. So Lucifer uh, was covered in precious stones, and he walked back and forth in front of the throne of God on the coals of fire on the altar that's in front of the throne of God. And as the glory of God uh, you know, radiated, uh, emanated, shined forth from his throne, um, it, it was like a mirror ball, uh, only with every kind of precious stone imaginable, um, and, and that and it would reflect, the glory of God would refract and reflect. Think bounce off of, are you with me this morning? It would bounce off of Lucifer. Um, and of course we know that he fell and lost all of that. But when God created Adam, he didn't create Adam for his glory to bounce off of him. Um, he created Adam for his glory to reside in him and shine through him. And there's a difference between reflection and projection. Amen. And so many times we think that we're simply trying to reflect God in this created realm. And so when we try to reflect God, this is, this is where um, we strive and try to do everything that we can to, to mimic Him or to be like Him. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to me. Please pay very close attention to me, okay? I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive and try to be like God, okay? But remember what we said religion is. Religion is man's effort to reflect God in the created realm without really knowing God. And so what this winds up being then is a list of rules. It, it, it winds up being you know, some outward standard that everyone's trying to conform to, that everyone's trying to, uh, to be, become a reflection of. Listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. And I, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again this morning, okay? Doing your very best to be like Jesus is not the gospel, the gospel is Jesus coming to live inside of you and then living through you. That's the gospel. Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? Praise God. Um, I'm trying to recall right off the top of my head the, the authors that wrote this in their book. But they, they presented it this way, and I apologize for not remembering their names. Uh, it's in the book, Jesus Manifesto. Praise God. Help me, Aaron. Anyway, you with, okay, I know you've read it a couple of times. Uh, but they, they say, imagine you're learning to play the piano and everybody kept telling you to be like Beethoven, be like Beethoven, be like Beethoven. Well, Beethoven is one of the greatest piano players that ever lived. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Beethoven coming to live inside of you and playing the piano through you. Amen. But see, religion tells us we have to reflect God. No, no, we're not here to reflect Him. We're here to project Him. For Him to live inside of us and project Himself and to project His glory through us. This is why we can never truly be, be like God or imitate God, uh, you know, live the life that God created us to live apart from Him, right? If we try to do it apart from God, then we're simply trying to glorify ourselves. We're simply, uh, and, and this is where so many people get caught up in living their lives through the eyes of other people, how this looks to other people. This is what's happened in the body of Christ. Listen to me now. So many people in the body of Christ today have traded true spirituality for the cheap imitation of just making other people think they're spiritual. Right? That's, that's more of a reflective approach instead of projecting. So God created Adam to project his glory. Project means to present or display an image. 
To project means to present or display an image. God created Adam so that his glory could shine through or literally be projected through him. Think, praise God. Um, all right, so what we said bouncing off of uh, versus shining through. So how about this? Think, think of it this way. Um, think of a movie projector and your life is the screen. A movie projector and your life is the screen, right? Now, we're going to circle back around to this hopefully uh, sometime this morning. But when we say that the glory of God shining through you, projected through you, remember how a movie projector works. It has a lamp in it that, that shines through and projects an image on a screen. That's what you're seeing right now. That, that is a projected image uh, on the screen in front of you right now. Uh, if you're if you're in live in the room with us, so the idea is there's a bulb and a projector that's that's shining through and projecting that image on the screen, but our lives aren't just a screen hung in a church somewhere or hung on a wall somewhere. Our our lives are are living and moving. Remember what Romans 12 tells us: for you to present your body as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice that becomes living proof of a living God. Where, where we're literally uh, projecting Him. Now, let's, let's talk for a moment. Let's talk for a moment about this. Remember, God created you for His glory to shine through you. God created you for His glory to shine through you. God created you in such a way as for His glory to be present inside of you and be projected through your life. And your life then becoming the, the living, breathing, moving, speaking, acting, doing uh, movie screen that is projecting the glory of God. So let's try to um, simplify. And, and maybe simplify is, is not the right word here. Um, but because, you know, when we talk about what the glory of God is, by definition, the glory of God is all that God is. Now, that's a simple statement, but you understand that simple statement is expressing, um, you know, an, an infinite, uh, comp- in other words, all that God is, we're still understanding it. I mean, if you look at how the Bible unfolds, you know, throughout, especially the Old Testament, we see that God would introduce himself in different ways to his people, and, and he's known by many names, um, uh, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, Jehovah Rapha, the, the God who heals. Um, and, we, you know, again, Jehovah Sid Canoe, the Lord our righteousness. We just go on and on. But see, notice each, each time that he's introducing himself to his people using a different name, he's revealing yet even more about, about who he is. So when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about who God is. Uh, by definition, it's all that he is. And, and, and then also the glory of God is all that God has. So again, um, all that God has, four simple one-syllable words. But when we talk about all that God has, I mean, there's no searching as understanding. There's no searching. When we say there's no searching it, there's no end to it. Um, you would come closer to finding the Internet than you would come uh, to finding, you know, the wisdom of God. It's, it's, it's unsearchable, um, the wisdom that he has, the riches that he has. Um, you know, he paves roads with pure gold. 
I mean, it's, again, the, the comprehension of, of, of what he has, who he is, what he has, but then also all that God does, all that God does. And so when we, when we say all that God does, um, that would include, you know, the supernatural to us. I mean, what we call supernatural is, you know, just the way God operates on a regular basis. Um, but it's, it also includes um, how he does what he does and the way that he does what he does. So when we talk about the glory of God, all that God is, all that God has, all that God does, we're, this is what we're talking about um, shining through our lives so that we become a representation of who he is, so that people can look at our lives and, and see what God has, at least a glimpse of, 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 of who he is and what he's like, Amen? And, and how he lives as far as the, the things that he has. God doesn't live in, in, in poverty. God, God doesn't live in lack or want or need. Amen? And so if we're going to reflect his glory in, in, in this present realm, he doesn't want his children living in poverty or lack or need. Now, I know I just probably made some of you nervous, but listen to me. If you'll search these things out in the scriptures, but even, and I'm not saying there's any, set, any replacement for the scriptures, but the scriptures, searching out in the scripture, will, will only um, confirm what you already know in your own life reality. There's not, a, there's not a person in poverty right now who enjoys it. It's because we weren't created for it. We weren't created for defeat. We were created for victory. We weren't created for loss. We were created for gain. We weren't created for depression. We were created for joy. We weren't created for missing out. We were created for being in on everything that God is and everything that God has and everything that God does the way God does it. Amen. And so when we're not experiencing um, these things in our lives, we, we are not personally, individually satisfied, content, or fulfilled. So we were created to do what God does. Amen. We were created to do what He does, and we were created to do it the way that He does it. This, this is why the greatest of faith, hope, and love is love. Because God is love. All that God is, it begins with love. There's no understanding of God that you will ever have that violates God is love. And this is why love is, is the primary characteristic that we're to express. Remember, the Holy... See, we think it's hard to love people. My friend, please, listen to me. Romans 5 says, The Holy Spirit of God now lives in you as a born-again believer, and He is a fountain of, that's pouring out the love of God at the spirit level of your being. My friend, the love of God is present inside of you, waiting to be projected through you. This is why Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment now. Not that, you sh- not that you love other people as you love yourself. That's an old commandment. The new commandment, John 13, is that you love other people the way I love you. How could we ever do that unless the love of God is present within us to love other people through us. Father God wants to love people through you. So much so that you, you can let Him love people through you to the point that you, them being loved by you would be no different than Him being here loving them in person. All that God is, all that God has, all that God does. Now, this may be two weeks before we get here, but it's percolating inside of me, so I've got to get a little bit of it out right now. Just leave, relieve some of this pressure. Amen? <laughs> the substitute for God glorifying Himself through you, that's how He glorifies Himself, by, by projecting His glory through you. And it's what we were created for, okay? 
Now, what we've substituted in place of that, because when Adam fell and separated himself from that, we still had the longing inside of us for it. Every person listening to me right now was created for greatness. Amen. And certainly the Scriptures confirm that, but let the Scriptures confirm what you already know. When we're children, we don't aspire to failure. We aspire to greatness. When we're children... We long for and crave attention. We long for and crave notoriety. We long for and crave. This is why we imagine ourselves as the hero scoring uh, the, 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 the Super Bowl winning touchdown. This is why every, every kid that's ever played with the basketball does the 5, 4, 3, 2 and shoots the, 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 the basketball right at the last second because we, we dream of, of scoring the, the, the winning basket. And, and everyone putting us up on their shoulders and carrying us off. We, 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 we dream of being the rich and the famous. Um, some maybe, I think, more than, than, than uh, a majority of us at some point in our lives imagine being the rock star, you know, of, of, of people, um, you know, as, as, uh, as they said, shouting our names, you know. And, and again, when all of that is for selfish gain... Um, it's, it's pride and it's ignorance and, and it's selfishness. But, but what does that tell us about ourselves? A longing for greatness, a desire for glory is placed within us. And so what, what do people do who don't have the glory of God living in them or projecting through their lives? They look for, for glory in the world around them. This is why Jesus said, I don't receive glory from men. I'm not seeking the honor of men like all of you. I'm seeking the honor and glory of God. Are you, are you hearing me? Now, how does that relate to all of this? This is why we want people to know who we are. This is why we want people to know what we have. Are you, are you, are you following me? And a social media world has only amplified this. Now, we, we put everything about ourselves on, on the internet for everybody to see because we want people to know what we do. We want people to know what we've accomplished. We want people to know about our successes. We want people to know what what, what we've purchased and the toys that we have. And and, and Again, I'm just trying to show you. It's because you were created to reflect identity. You were created to to reflect success and and, and all of these things. Just, Just God's success. God making you successful. God making you who you are. And now that's shining through you, projecting through you to the world. Oh, praise God. All right, you still with me? So the glory of God shining through you means others can see who He is, what He has, and what He can do projected, presented, displayed in your life. So what does this mean? It means God is glorified when His glory shines through you. Now, we need some scriptures. And I've said a lot of stuff without really turn into many verses and I got a lot of them I'm not going to try to give them all to you this morning but let's begin in Psalm number 8 verse 4 Psalm number 8 and verse 4 it says this it says what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him for you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. I almost wish I'd have put about seven more translations of this verse uh, in, in my notes for you to see. 
Um, but this is a, a, an incorrect translation. Where it says lower than the angels, the word translated angels here is the word Elohim. And Elohim, or some pronounce it Elohim. Um, every other place this word's translated in the Old Testament is translated God because Elohim means God. But here, for whatever reason, some of the earlier translators could not fathom or comprehend that God made us a little bit lower than himself. And so they translated this a little lower than the angels. Uh, more current translations have corrected this error. The message translation actually says, we're so much like God, we narrowly missed being God. Now, this again is very difficult for a lot of people to comprehend, or I'll even say it this way, they, they have a hard time stomaching this. They choke on this, okay? Again, um, let the Holy Spirit illuminate your understanding of these things um, because there's a whole world beyond this uh, 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 blockage in your, in your spiritual understanding um, that you'll never get to unless you allow Him to, to bring you through uh, this uh, impasse, okay? So He made us a little bit lower than Himself and then he crowned us with glory and honor. And crowned here, uh, you know, figuratively means a crown on the head, but it literally means to be encompassed about, to be encircled by. Now, I'm going to show you this in Scripture in the days ahead, but who we are now in our spirit is different from who Adam was in his spirit when he fell. Okay? And, 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 of course, what we see is that Adam was encircled about, encompassed about. We could even say he was clothed with the glory of God. This is why he sinned, when he sinned and fell short of that glory, he realized he was naked. All right? But what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus has done for us is he has put us in uh, a position uh, that Adam never occupied. And that is one where, where he lives and dwells inside of us, where our spirit and his spirit has become one spirit. And this is the completed work of Jesus on the cross. Somebody say amen to this. So it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and so uh, we could say it this way. Adam had a connection with God, and sin severed that connection. Okay? The connection that we have with him uh, is, is, is eternal, um, first of all. And, and I know I'm t- I said I was going to talk about this more later, and maybe we will, but let me, just, let me just say this, okay? I asked the Lord why this was, because it's clear in the Scripture that it's that way. I asked the Lord why this was, and he said, well, um, anyone who wants to be one with me forever has to choose that. Has to choose that. Amen. In other words, God is not so presumptuous that he just created us in such a way that, um, that, that you know, that we... we you know, would be one with him forever regardless, okay? Um, but because of Jesus being a one sacrifice for all sin for all time, he's now made it possible for us uh, to be born of God's Spirit and for his Spirit uh, now to be created, uh, our born-again Spirit to be created according to God and to become one with God. Um, and again, that's, that's a choice um, that, uh, that we made. Adam didn't choose to be created. Am I boring you this morning? Adam didn't choose to be created. Amen. Um, just like you didn't choose to be created. You didn't choose to be born. Amen. But if you've been born again, you chose that. You, 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 you chose to, to, to receive um, that gift. All right, how about this? Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. So we're seeing now that when God created us, um, he originally he encompassed us about with his glory. He encircled us with his glory. He crowned us with his glory, okay? But that it was sin on our part that caused us to fall short of the glory of God. Now, one thing that we've learned about God over the years is that things may change on our end, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever he purposed before he created us, that purpose remains to this day. So if God purposed before he created us for his glory to shine through us, that purpose never changed, even if um, you know, we had other plans. And that's certainly what Adam uh, did, right? Adam had other plans. He wanted to launch out on his own and do his own thing. But the desire that God had within his heart to have offspring in the earth that would bear his image and project his glory in this created realm never changed. And so when Jesus went to that cross... He didn't just, certainly he went to take away our sin, but taking away the sin was a means to a greater end. He didn't just do that so you wouldn't go to hell and would go to heaven. He did that so you could be recreated on the inside and be repositioned to fulfill Father's original purpose, his original intent, his original design for each one of us. Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Praise the name of the living God. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? I don't, I, and we don't live by how we feel, okay? And so if COVID uh, lockdown taught me anything is to stand and look at a camera in an empty room and, and preach by faith that people are getting it and receiving it. And so by faith, you're getting this and receiving this. But there's still something in me that, uh, you know, there are times when I feel more connected to the people that I'm speaking to than, than uh, at other times. And for some reason this morning, I, I'm, I'm not sensing but that's okay by faith it's it's there amen that you're connecting with all of this and and listen amen i was i was telling brother aaron this morning um these things are changing my life i'm i'm just telling you um the, the, the clarity that the holy spirit is giving us on these things is absolutely changing my life so we're looking at supporting scriptures that we were created to project the glory of god that we were created to project the glory of god all right. And so Romans 8 and 29, it says this, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now we could preach a series of sermons just from verse 29. Think about what he's saying here. Whom he foreknew. I know that a lot of people have developed a lot of strange doctrines uh, from these verses. They've tried to make these words say something based upon, uh, you know, understanding from the Old Testament uh, that, um, that they simply were never meant, um, uh, you know, to communicate. And, and so remember, before you ever look for hidden or deeper meanings, you've got to start with the obvious meaning. Because if you overlook the obvious meaning and go to the deeper hidden meaning, um, you're more than likely going to get off track somewhere. And so let's take this word foreknew. To foreknow something means to know it beforehand. And so the Bible teaches that God knew us before. He knew you. He knew me before we were formed in our mother's womb. Okay? So to foreknow means to know beforehand. Now, let me ask you a simple question to clear this up, okay? Is there anybody on this planet that Father God doesn't know, that he doesn't know about? 
Has he ever looked over at Jesus and said, where did that dude come from? Who is, who is that? Right? No, no, see, he knew us all. He knows us all now, and he knew us all before we were formed in our mother's womb. So let's, let's just say foreknew. Is there anybody that, you know, the day they were born, you know, that God the Father looked at one another and like, where did, who is that? Where did he come from? Holy Spirit, do you, do you know that? No, see, again, he knew us before. So if, if, if you miss this part, see, a lot of people want to jump over foreknew and go to predestined. And from here they develop all of these doctrines of predestination. God's already decided beforehand who's going to get saved and who's not, and all this stuff that simply doesn't hold water. And so, because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? Amen? And, we, and I'm not here to try to correct that error that a lot of people have, but I'm just trying to show you if you jump foreknew, because notice whom he foreknew, this is everybody, he also predestined. Now, before you, again, start thinking doctrine of predestination, okay, predestined means to destine or determine beforehand. So what he's saying is that God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, and he had a destiny, a purpose, a destiny assigned to you before you ever breathed oxygen in this atmosphere. Are you with me? Amen. So... Those that he knew before, that's all of us, he predetermined. And what was, what was the, the ultimate predetermination? What was the ultimate predestination? That we would be conformed to the image of his son. That we would all reflect the glory of God as Jesus reflects the glory of God. I'm sorry. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That we would all project the glory of God the way Jesus projects the glory of God. Amen. Come on now, let the Holy Spirit help you with this. And he, and he further clarifies so that you have to want to mess it up to mess it up. What does it mean to be conformed to the image of a son? So that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. Remember, before the cross, Jesus was the only begotten son of God. He was the one and only. But my brother, listen to me. My sister, listen to me. He's not the one and only any longer. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, moreover, more besides, whom he predetermined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he'd be the first among many brethren, these he also called. And the ones that he called, what did he do? When we answered his call, what did he do? He justified us, just as if I'd never sinned. My friend, Jesus did everything for you and me that he did for us so that Father could treat us like our sin never happened. Whom he called, he justified. This means to be made righteous. And whom he justified, what did he do? These he also glorified. He glorified. So we're coming back to, right... The purpose for our salvation is to restore us back into a position where we could once again glorify God in this created realm. How do we glorify God in this created realm? By trying really hard to be like Him? By, by trying really hard to conform to some outward standard? By trying really hard to take some religious image and do our best to live up to it? Absolutely not. Father is glorified only when His glory shines through us. If you look at the religious leaders in Jesus' day, 
You would have thought them to be an, a picture of righteousness. You would have thought them to be a, 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 an express image of holiness. And yet Jesus said, they're like that tomb over on yonder hill. It's painted white on the outside, but on the inside it's full of dead men's bones. They even asked Jesus one time, who do you make yourself out to be? Because clearly their whole existence was who they made themselves out to be to other people. They had a projected image, but it was wasn't a projected image of God or His glory. It was a projected image of their religious pride and their fulfillment to a religious standard. And Jesus challenged that. And they had to either change or get rid of Him. And that's exactly what they did. They thought. Can you take a couple of more? John 17. Let's go there. John 17 and verse 20. Praise the name of the living God. So Jesus is praying to his Father before his crucifixion in John 17. He begins by praying for himself. Sometimes people ask me, you know, because we talk a lot about not being self-centered, self-focused, selfish around here. And so people say, Pastor Mark, is it wrong for me to pray for myself? Absolutely not. Pray for yourself. But just don't only pray for yourself. Amen? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and how do we know that to be a fact? Well, obviously the Bible's full of people who pray for themselves. But Jesus prayed for himself. And that's what he does in the first part of John 17. And then after he prays for himself, he prays for those who were closest to him on the earth at that time. And then after he prays for them, he prays for you and me. He prays for, as, look what he says, I do not pray for these alone. These alone would be those who were uh, very close to him. He says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that's you and me. We believe because somebody else preached. And whoever preached to us that we heard, somebody preached to them and somebody preached to them and somebody preached to them until you trace it back to these original ones. I, have, I don't really have any scripture to support this. This is my opinion. But I believe in, in heaven just like there is um, a family tree, you know, of my dad and my dad's dad and my dad's dad's dad that trace all the way back uh, uh, to Adam, all the way back to Noah and then to Adam, right? Um, I believe, because remember, we, we know everything about, you know, all these people in the Old Testament. We don't, we don't even know who John's dad was, you know, sons of Zebedee, Peter's father. We don't have all the lineage of those folks, right? Because, how do I say this? When you read the book of Acts and you read what, what these men and women endured so that the gospel could be preached. You're going to find out one day that there were people who died to preach the gospel to somebody who heard it, who preached the gospel to somebody else who heard it and believed it, that eventually preached the gospel to you. And I believe heaven records all of that. If heaven records every conversation that we have about him, the book of Malachi says, are you with me this morning? Praise God. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Remember, Jesus did not come to this earth to glorify himself. He came to glorify his Father. The life of Jesus is the glory of God projected through a human being. Verse 22. Here it is. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. 
I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundations of the world. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, they've seen your glory projected through me on the earth. I long for the day that these who are with me now and those who will believe on me because of their word, I long for the day when they see me with the glory that I had before I stepped off of my throne and became a human being and came to this earth. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Praise God. Come on, singers and musicians, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I've got multiple, multiple more verses here. Okay? I mentioned that we were going to talk about the movie projector. We will get into this in greater detail next week. God's glory in you, projecting through you. Your spirit is the lamp, that's what the Bible says. But your soul is the film. See, this is why this is why the glory of God is not shining through the body of Christ, individual members of the body of Christ as it should because we have our true image then we have a self-image. You remember in, in, in some of you younger folks, maybe not so much, but we would sometimes watch movies in class and a lot of times when the, we would do that, the teacher may leave the room because obviously she doesn't have to teach or he doesn't have to teach and sometimes the class, class clown or whatever would come and put his hand over the end of the, you know, over the projector so you're no longer getting the projected image, right? Something's blocking it. Or how about, how about this? You know, you know how you kind of do your hand like that and, you know, do the dog, you know, or the, or the bird, you know, all sorts of stuff, right? So in other words, something, something is coming in between the lamp and the screen and it's sending a distorted uh, uh, image to the screen. It's, 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 or it's blocking out um, the, the lamp and the light of that lamp altogether, Okay, um, this, this is what our self-image does. And so being renewed in the spirit of your mind would be the equivalent of taking that, that reel of film from your old man out of the projector, throwing it away, and putting a new film in the projector that would be more reflective of the man you became instead of the man you were. Stand with me. Praise God. I maybe shouldn't have tackled that, but somebody needed to hear that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Feel free to shout it out 
at me right quick. Who's the light of the world? So I heard some of you say Jesus, and I heard some of you say we are. And you're both right. You're both right. But when Jesus was in the world, he was the light of the world. But he talked about when him being the light of the world, that he would no longer be in the world, to be the light of the world. Right? His light now in you, shining through you. Are you seeing this? He compared the light in you being concealed to salt that has no flavor. In other words, both things not fulfilling their intended purpose. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I was meditating on this the other day. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And the Holy Spirit said this to me, Matt. Adam, where are you? Right? Because you're the city that he wants to sit on a hill that will shine light all around. City set on a hill can't be hidden. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Let me pray for you. Father, you're good to us and we love you. I thank you, Father, that these words are going, Lord, not just into our minds, into our brains, but, Father, they're going, they're going deep into our hearts this morning. Father, that you're helping us understand things, Lord, that, that, that have been misunderstood or, or not understood at all, Lord, um, and, and that we're not only hearing and receiving these things, but, Father, you're helping us incorporate them into and apply them into our lives, Father, that, that the truth of these things are helping us answer questions that we've had, uh, Lord, uh, uh, about ourselves and, and, and issues in our lives that, that we've had uh, lots of seemingly difficulty in, in changing, um, Lord, because we're trying to change the uh, projected image in the mirror instead of uh, the, the thing that the mirror is reflecting. And so, Father, help us, Lord, this morning um, understand that we've become a new creation and that as new creations, we can't live from the old self-image. But as new creations, Father, it's like putting a fresh movie, a fresh film, Lord, uh, to pass in front of the lamp and, and, and to be projected, Lord, in our life reality to the world around us. Lord, represent yourself in us. Father, make yourself known in us. Make uh, what you have, Lord, evident uh, in us. Um, Father, it's not enough for us to be blessed. Father, it's not enough for us to experience your goodness, Father. Without the world around us, Lord, knowing that we're only blessed because of you. Father, not because we worked hard, not because we're lucky, not because we're born in America, not because of, of, of all these uh, things that so many times we point to. Father, we're blessed because of you. We're blessed because Jesus became a curse for us. He came under the curse that was on top of us and lifted it off of us so that your blessing, the blessing of Abraham, Father, could be upon our lives. Father, may we always be careful to let other people know that the only reason we have what we have is because of you. The only reason we are who we are is because of you. 
The only reason we can do what we can do is because of you. That it's your glory shining through us. And Father, that glory is transforming us from glory to glory, from one level of glory to the next, Father. From one display and presentation of who you are to an even more in-depth and more intense display and presentation of who you are and what you have and what you can do. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. I want us to worship Him for a moment this morning before um, you know, we're dismissed and go our separate ways. Um, you just kind of close yourself in for a moment. I've noticed sometimes when I'm teaching classes that when people realize that I'm getting close to the end, they start packing everything up, especially at the foundry because there's a pretty tight schedule there where you know, they have to be somewhere, you know, catch a van or a bus somewhere, whatever. So um, don't start packing up quite yet. Um, amen. Let's just take a deep breath and let the Holy Spirit speak to us and solidify some of these things, clarify some of these things for us as we stand in His presence and worship Him. These altars are open if you'd like someone to pray with you. Be honored to do that. But let's worship Him for a moment before.